Sports Stories does not contain descriptions of violence, sexual content, or explicit language. Sports Stories is suitable for all audiences, except Celtic fans who I guess can listen if they really want to. Born in 1971, Christopher McGee came up on the somewhat less than hard scrabble streets of the San Fernando Valley, north of Los Angeles. As a youngster, Geeter, as he would eventually come to be known, would play imaginary games of football, basketball, or baseball in his front and backyards, complete with imaginary teams and with rosters of imaginary players, all recorded diligently onto notepads. This is not uncommon for many of us that love sports. Well, maybe the part with full rosters and keeping accurate records is a little much, but you get the idea. The part of that that very few of us can say is he pretty much became that guy. Geeter would play his way into an all-CIF basketball player in high school, a captain of an NCAA volleyball finalist in college, the voice of Pro Beach Volleyball, and now studio host for his favorite team, one of the greatest franchises ever, the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan, one that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Welcome to Sports Stories. We're excited to bring you part one of Life is Sweeter with Geeter as Laker broadcaster Chris McGee knocks down the three. Nobody's ever announced the introductions of players like Chris McGee. Geeter, as he is known, would set a new standard as the MC of Pro Beach Volleyball. That's how I came to know Geeter. In the late 80s and early 90s, I had been an MC, or really a stage announcer, for women's Pro Beach Volleyball. As I had left that behind, Geeter was just getting started with the AVP Pro Beach Tour. Geeter took things to a whole new level. He broke new ground with his style, using his own stream of consciousness, social references, and humor that combined with his knowledge of the sport and his great charisma had crowds across the country going nuts. One job led to the next for Geeter, who learned to always say yes, and he now holds down the position of host of the Los Angeles Lakers studio show. Beach volleyball originated in Hawaii, but the two-on-two game really came of age on the shores of Santa Monica beaches. In 1960, the first Manhattan Beach Open was held and was won by Mike Bright and Mike O'Hara. 1960 was also the year the Lakers would debut in Los Angeles. Moving from Minneapolis, they brought their five NBA titles and their nickname to a warmer climate, where they would become one of the most popular franchises in the world. Seems like Minnesota also lost out on the greatest college basketball coach ever in John Wooden due to the weather. Anyhow, Laker first round pick Jerry West out of West Virginia would team with the great Elgin Baylor, then add in the ever entertaining and groundbreaking play-by-play man Francis Chick Hearn, and the Lakers were on their way. Playing in the Memorial Sports Arena next to the Coliseum, the Lakers were the best team in the NBA during the 60s, not named Celtics. The Boston Celtics, with the absence of free agency, kept together an all-star lineup and won all six NBA championship series the two teams played against one another in the decade. In 1968, the Lakers acquired the great Wilt Chamberlain, who, incidentally, had once scored 100 points in a game. 100 points! I mean, 
Kobe Bryant could only score 81 with his best effort. Anyhow, a few years after picking up Wilt from the Philadelphia 76ers, the Lakers in 1972 won an NBA record 69 games, stormed through the playoffs, and won their first championship in Los Angeles, culminating with a five-game triumph over the New York Knicks. From that 72 team, a team I was lucky enough to watch practice as an eight-year-old, Wilt and teammate Keith Erickson were frequent beach volleyball players, a sport which had done its own share of growing throughout the 1960s and was on its way towards becoming popular enough to support a series of professional events by the mid-70s. The two entities of beach volleyball and the Lakers had moved to and were thriving in the culture of Southern California. And so it was in 1973 that our guest today was born. The greatest beach volleyball MC of all time, the studio host of one of the greatest franchises in all of pro sports was just starting to make some noise. Well, now that I've dropped Brighton O'Hara, the 16-time NBA champions, the Indiana Rubberman, Mr. Outside, Mr. Inside, Chicky Baby, the Boston Celtics, Wilt the Stilt, the Black Mamba, the 1776ers, the Knickerbockers, and that's right, Chick, he's a heartbreaker, he's a three-point maker, Geeter, it's time for your shot. From the 7428 studio in the shadow of LAX, here is part one of a three-part interview with Laker broadcaster Chris Geeter McGee. Please note that this interview with Chris McGee was recorded January 23rd, 2020, three days prior to the death of Kobe Bryant and eight others. So we've decided to go um, with the video podcast as well. Love it. And Love it. thus cool. your shot gets recorded, you see. And I now you that. have some talking to do yeah. to my cousin, our so, our mutual associate, Mike yep. Boley. Michael Boley, one of my dear friends. He didn't knock down his shot, Geeter. Which, by the way, bothers him for sure. It bothers him a lot. He's he's called me a few times to say. He wants to reshoot that. Not only reshoot that, but the whole interview. He says, I'll, I'll do, redo the whole interview if I get another chance at that. And I said, well, you look good. We're cleaner. What was Michael's best sport? Would you say it was baseball? He was really good in baseball. Volleyball? He was particularly good in in tennis. Mm -hmm. He had his most success, but I I think basketball. Basketball. I think if, um, you know, if the right A lot of us growing up in that time, basketball was our sport. Volleyball was just kind of like. That was my thing, too. Yeah. Um, I think if he would have been in the right situation, like we went out to College of the Desert Mm -hmm. at the same time. And you know who the coach was? Gar Foreman. Really? The general manager of the Chicago Bulls. He was our Crazy. coach, and so then it just kind of yeah. didn't completely work out. I remember I tore up my leg and yeah. then just came home and started working. And that's it. And MB stayed out there, I think, for a year playing, but and for whatever reason, volley. it didn't. It didn't. Um, I was. Oh, I wanted to reference something. See these hop champs. IHOP yeah. champs. So this is that's some good say. Catholic school ball. Yeah. Because IHOP's not far from here, and yeah. Saint Jerome was hosting a tournament. Yeah. That was Marley on my basketball team. Leading us to this championship, uh, you know, when before I took so my our shot, producer Marley, yep. Marley was uh, shooting, had, and I could tell she's obviously baller. was a baller back baller. in the day, and she handed it. She got that assist. Did she play volley too, a little bit, a little but, bit, yeah, a little bit. More hoops. Yeah, there's yeah, a good so story there. Her, her high school coach. What's that she guy was, doing? She now? was clearly. No, she was clearly the best player. It was thought. like Venice High, and he just forgot to put her name on the list. Stop it. And she got a little ticked, and she goes, fine, I'll just start with basketball. And she didn't play. Oh, man. Can we go back in time? Hilarious. <laughs> That's what I Hilarious. I have a lot of do-overs. Same. 
I'm trying to think, Geeter, where you and I might have first met, and it might have been when I was running mm. over our little AAU beach players to um, to get uh, out on the AVP well, court, maybe? Yeah, but we, I mean, but I you were we in knew each other way before then, but yeah. just didn't, you know, all the connections with the Bowley family and the yeah. Lennon family, and, you know, back in the club volleyball days, uh, I worked with Tim Jensen for years. They were they were Venice Backyard. Yeah. Him and... Uh, Lee, his wife. And somebody else, who else was there? Uh, Jensen was there, well, and... Jared Elliott and Jared Elliott. They so both Tim Jensen and Jared Elliott started Westside Volleyball Club. Sure. I ended up coming in when Jared moved on to college coaching and ran it with Tim. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I'd always come across you then and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah you when we first started to talk again was uh, I was actually at Leonard Armato's event. I want to say the World Series of Beach World Volleyball. Series, yep. And you were bringing over the AAU bringing championships over, that would be on Center those. Court, and, yep. uh, and I would announce them, which I always loved to do. No doubt. Uh, no doubt. We had a funny story about that, me and you. I don't yes. know if you remember. Millie's first ever beach volleyball tournament, she was nine years old, <laughs> was right. the AAU Championships. She Millie. lost 21-0 mm-hmm. to a girl named Izzy from Arizona who won that national championship sure. that year. Fast forward to last year. Do you remember she when beat you came Izzy. by? Oh, she did? Two years later oh, at the AAU tournament. And I went to the dad, and I was like, I was like, man, I just want hey, I'm Keeter. He's like, oh, no, you are. We're going back forward. He's like, Izzy beat my daughter 21-0 a couple years ago. And he's like, that was you? He totally remembered. Uh, she ended up, Izzy ended up winning in the finals against Millie in that same tournament. But she did beat her. So I've always told parents, like, it can happen well, um, it's, It can happen. You, did fast. you also tell parents when we passed at that after that 21-0 what, what you said? What did I say? It's something to the effect of 21 dick. <laughs> you <laughs> can't even try and do that. <laughs> And I was gassed. I did say 21 dick. And, uh, and Dude, then, I was – yeah. listen, my wife and, and Matt Boyce, uh, we, we were playing with Matt Boyce's daughter, Taylor, uh, they didn't want to text me because I was over on the stage. They, they didn't, I was getting no updates. They didn't want to tell me it was 21-0. And, we, you know, it was, it's the 10 and unders, yeah. and it's a, it's a kumbaya. Hey, a point. year later, she lost in that championship like match the, to uh, Thais and uh, the um, girl from Texas. I, I called that game from the yeah. uh, beach house. Yeah, that was and, actually a really uh, good game. And it was a great game. Yeah. And I remember watching uh, you Layla. were as much as fun Layla. to watch as the players. Yeah, it was. You were, uh, you were pacing a little uh, bit. Everyone was heckling me. A little bit. Yeah, it's tough, man, watching your own kid. I can announce anybody's games. Yeah. But it's tough when it's your own kid. Yeah. You know. Um, speaking of which, born in what, 71 or 72? It's born in 71 in the Valley. So, uh, 71. Crespi High School, the pride of the Valley. You know who um, who won the NBA title in 71? The year you were born? Well, the Knicks won it in 70. Mm-hmm. The Lakers won it in 72. Very good. Knicks won it in 73. They shouldn't have. Uh-huh. This one, this one's a little off, but it makes sense once you know. I, it, it, I know, because it's not the Celtics. No. And I just saw this the other day, and it's driving, and now it's going to drive me crazy. It wasn't the Bucks, was it? Was Great. it Kareem? It was. Yeah. Kareem he had just won 68. Yeah. What, 68, 69, 70 at UCLA or yes. something like that? It's amazing. Or, or, two, big or one year in. By the way, they said, also yeah. snapped the next year the Lakers' 33-game win streak. That's right. It was them. That's the that's that. Uh, see that picture to your right? Oh, there it is. So that's one of my favorite pictures because I got it at my favorite eatery, oh my God, which how is cool through Snitchell. Did you and, know Bill Sharman at all? I'm sure you guys. Yeah, I did. What a great man! What a great man! Yeah. And oh, by the way, so his idea to do shoot arounds. Bill Sharman did a lot for yeah, the sport. Yeah, he, he was a big time innovator. People don't realize that. You know something else about Bill Sharman? He was called up to the Brooklyn Dodgers as a minor leaguer, and he was on their bench when Bobby Thompson hit that shot. That, by the way, I have heard that. That's wild. I've had heard that. He like got called up from AAA or something. Their foundation with his wife, Joyce, they honored James Worthy 
uh, one night. And it was when we first started our network seven years ago when I ended up uh, presenting for James. And I heard that very story. It's so funny. Wild? I know. That's wild. When I was really little, shot her around the world for that for it? that team. I think eight or nine years old. Yeah. My godfather was really good friends with Bill Sharman, and so we get to go to Laker practices, and they'd have them at LMU. Yeah, that's where they practice sometimes, and we got to go to his house after, which is an apartment in the Marina Towers, and I go in his trophy room while the adults talked, and I mean, be eight all, nine years old. Oh my old, god, it's the greatest trophy room uh, of all time. Yeah. By the way, you know who's on this team, and I want to ask you this because Wayne Bowley will tell you this, and my dad, by my dad would have been eighty five yesterday, by the way. If he was still alive, uh, they both said the same thing, and I always told Wayne this. Keith Erickson was the greatest athlete they knew. Did you hear that growing J- up? John Wooden said that Gosh. about Keith Erickson. Dude, he was like all world paddle tennis, tennis, like could have played for the Dodgers, Wild. like shortstop apparently, and like every hoops. Time you, every time you hear volley, that, which made his the backside of his two two one press click because yeah. Keith Erickson played in that, yeah, in a, so he could gamble and retreat. And it made it uh, that much. One of the nicest guys, too. Such a nice guy. Yeah. So you grew up um, in the Valley. Yeah, grew up out in the there. Valley. Um, one of the things I think I heard, uh, like you grew up around sports and so yeah. forth, but um, the way you would um, you'd call your own play-by-play <laughs> in your games, which I, that's me. Did I t- told you that? Did that, I tell you that? <laughs> that is my life. I, I do my research. You did, I was going to say. But I, that, Who told you Gator, that? that was my life. Like, yeah, I, would, I know. And man. then you talked about having a – a front yard and a backyard venue, yes. and I had the same. Yeah, I would only do certain sports in the backyard, yeah. and, and then then some. So of the true. Yard. I had the same thing, and you know what's funny about that? Um, I would do it. I had like a baseball league, a football league, and a basketball league. I had names written down. It was under my bed. I'll never forget. I would do drafts. I had made up guys, and and when a neighbor would come over to play, I'd be so bummed because it'd be like sixty five, sixty two in the fourth. And I, I just go to the bathroom real quick, and I go and write it down like three minutes left. I come outside, play, wow. and I have to do that game over. What I did not know was when I got older, my mom, Lil, she's still alive, and the neighbor Dolly, who lived across the street, and Dolly would take care of us a lot. And my mom and Dolly really, they told me like when I was, I don't know, in college, they're like, well, we watched you all the time. We'd, la- we'd always laugh to each other because you'd be talking during. I thought no one knew. Mm-hmm. They knew. My mommy said, they knew. Just watch and enjoy. Yeah. Um, now, did you, were you on the roster as. Chris McGee, yeah. <laughs> or or did you have a, a made up name for yourself? That's I a always, great question. I, I always put myself in no the game against other people. Yeah. No one's ever asked me that. Um, I, I I remember the two best players in the league. One guy's name was Jim, and the other was Washington. And I'm okay. <laughs> Washington. I don't know if like I was watching Welcome Back, Cotter, or what was going yeah. on, but. Um, I'm trying to remember if I would insert myself. Yeah, I was on the team, but I wasn't the best guy. Okay. Like Jim was the best player in baseball. Washington was the best player in hoops. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But they both played, you know, you play multiple sports. And and how yeah. did this draft work? Was there a commissioner? Dra- no, he was like, I would, I had a bedspread oh, wow. of all NBA teams. So I would do this, this, and this. And then with baseball, I would just do the same thing. Brilliant. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? But up- football, like running on my front lawn. And, like, just all of a sudden flying onto the oh. ground, like, the neighbors must have Diving. thought, who is this? Yeah. I mean, if there could only be video. Throw it up. Yeah. <laughs> Try to make a <laughs> one-hand catch. Totally. Yeah. Uh, you know, the game, how far uh, were we throwing it? Like, five yards? We thought it was, I yeah, thought it was like a bomb. I thought but, it was. And, but you, you could practice a lot in your house on your couch, yeah, on couch or on your own bed diving, and then you just take it to the outside. You know what's great? My brother's five years older, Matt. We would tell my parents horror stories when we were later in life, like past college and we'd go bring girlfriends home, whatever. And my mom's I'm like, I can't believe you're telling us, but we've told them we're like, when you guys would leave, like the, the you'd see the car lights go out and gone. It was like clear the living room, 
carpet football on Carp- the knees and mm-hmm. fights and mm-hmm. brawls and I mean, that's when I knew the growing boy, up. I knew I knew my son was going to be a pretty <clears> decent player because we would play on our knees uh, volleyball with like a, one of those yeah. plastic balls you would yeah. get in in the supermarket, and he would tip over the the coffee table, and that would be the net. That'd be the net. And then he play on his feet, but the rest of us has to play on our knees. And he drew brackets. So I mean, he's got to be God, like six. He drew out that. brackets so that we love would go that. through these brackets. When did you beautiful. start playing? You know, it was always around in my family and my yeah. in, in my backyard. You know, I always had a net up. So that's the thing. You were around it, around growing it, up all the time. Yeah. And so, which I think kids so are always now. got touches on the ball and so forth. Now, your first entry, if I'm not mistaken, was at well, uh, if you remember elementary school or something. Well, right? if you'll remember. Um, high school volleyball, everyone didn't have it for boys until 86. I was a sophomore. I mean, you had it out here. Sam O, right. Pally. We started a team in 82. Loyal, yes. My senior year. Um, Crespi didn't get it till my sophomore year, but my eighth grade teacher at a small little Catholic school, St. Catherine's, she, name was Saint, Teresa Saint, Godino. St. Catherine of Siena? Yes. Uh-huh. She played volleyball at Cal State Northridge. She was probably 25 years old. So she started a, a team so we could be in the Catholic League. And we went all the way to the semifinals. She that taught us the right way to so play. what year would that have been? 80? Dude, 85, I want to say I graduated. So uh, right up, like, 85. O- over there somewhere is about yeah. a team from 86. And I was coaching by this time at St. Mark's School. Oh, my gosh. And and there's a team up on that board that went yeah. to the finals. And Bob Severtlick that is, amazing. Is, is in the picture. It's like over there. But anyways, Bob Severtlick came to be the celebrity guy that handed out medals. That's awesome. And um, so we went all the way to the finals, 86, and we set one kid the whole way around. Isn't that amazing? Because he could jump and he was good, and the rest of the kids weren't and, that and good. And we just like rotated around. There wasn't like a 5-1 setter coming in. It was we, like we, we rotated had, all around and just put you in the middle. You set. One setter, yeah. and we set the one kid the it, whole time. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. Yeah, so she was awesome, and she so taught who, us the right name? way, technically. Teresa Denton. She got married. Uh, so the married name was Denton. And she um, played a little or something? She played in Northridge, Cal State Northridge. She oh, knew how to play. Her nephew actually played for Pepperdine. Um, Guadino was the last name played for Marv but she she was awesome and she kind of taught us how to play and then fast forward two years my sophomore year and it's why I quit everything else except for hoops like it was football basketball baseball Mm -hmm. Crespi and then my sophomore year no more football no more baseball it was hoops and volleyball Mm -hmm. and Coach was Kevin Slatham, great guy, and another guy named Kenny Lynch who played with me at Northridge. We uh, we both made the varsity of sophomores. Okay, and but still, it wasn't. I didn't play club. I loved it, but I didn't. It yeah. was basketball in the summer, so it wasn't like I was going to the beach and playing. So when yeah. I started Northridge, I, I was I was behind. Like Matt Unger was a year ahead of me. Guy had been setting a five one his whole life. He had played he played triple A's like I, I didn't know I, anything I was a pretty good player and I had no idea that no club idea. sports even existed no idea I, I didn't know what that meant yeah I just played you know we play this whatever sport was in season yeah and, and especially for boys didn't even know it it's, it's, know. it's interesting Denny my probably best year setting of my life was after college I mm-hmm. was probably 25 and couple years out and was playing in like Balboa Bay Leagues that Charlie Brandt ran and was set real well and they sent a group of us to Columbia uh, to represent the USA because it was a thing called the Pacific Ocean Games and the USA mm. didn't want to send their A or B team. So they said, well, who just won the who just won USA Nationals? And it was the Paul Mitchell guys. So we went and uh, we won the gold medal and I sat and it was funny. I was like, God, I wish, it was like I was finally good and there was nothing to play. I wasn't even playing anymore. It was just like for fun. You know what I mean? Like in college, I was learning the game. Right. And in a backup. Hey guys, this is Marley and I'm the producer. I finally got these guys to shut up for a second so we could do a commercial. 
of all the tequila joints in all the towns in all the world, you need to walk into Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, a proud sponsor of Sports Stories. When Carlos Haro Jr., the manager of Casablanca, was a young man, he made his mark in Venice at St. Mark's School, where he led his team to several championships and was named the 1990 Athlete of the Year. As his coach in those days, whenever Carlos would score a hoop in basketball, I would immediately call for the team to play it again, Carlos. We even had one play called, Here's Looking at You, Carlos, where we deceived the defense by making it look like we are going to give it to Carlos, then dropped it in to Big Daddy Jeff Flores for the bucket. As time goes by, you'll want to round up the usual suspects and head to Casablanca Restaurant in Venice. Mention sports stories with Denny Lennon to either Carlos Sr. or Carlos Jr. and get a free dessert. Sports stories in Casablanca Restaurant in Venice, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I think a lot of us... This is um, interesting. You know, like I got... My, yeah. my, my best years were probably 19, 20 years old. Think could about you, it. Could you use that in basketball team in high school? I used to always say this when I started announcing beach volleyball. It always amazed me because back in those days, I just remember the four-man tour was died out, mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends who were really good volleyball players at like 28 years old, so four years at the AVP, five years grinding, 29, they would retire to go get real jobs. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying like, Man, imagine if MJ had to retire at 28, he'd have one ring. Like, it was just like, in our sport, it, that always bothered me that the best players, so many good players, had to go get jobs at 28 years old mm-hmm. in their prime. In their, yeah, real estate. You're, you're, you're nowhere near what you are at 28, you are at 20. At 22, you're not, you're good, but you're not what you are at 28. No way. Mentally, it's all where the it. physical and it all comes together. So that, that always bummed me out about our sport, and I learned it at a pretty young age. Mm-hmm. I watched all my friends retiring as I was announcing. You played you played hoops at uh, Crespi? Yeah, played hoops all, at Crespi. All-CIF guy? All-CIF, All-Valley. You're mixing up All-CIF with All-League, are you? All-League, All-Valley, got it all <laughs> down. I got hoops, volley. Nice. Uh, okay. Went into the Hall of Fame. What was your I, I don't game know if I went into the Hall of Fame at Crespi because I ended up having a job on TV or if. But All-CIF is legit. Now, I, I had um, it all. Did um, the Carbono, Carbono? Carbino boys were at Crespi. Carabino. Carabino. They, so, they were really good early 80s when, or, yeah. Chris Nikovich, Joe Carabino, that was part of the team that they were really made good. me fall in love with basketball. Sa- same here. They're, Paul Muff was You're like coach. an eighth grade watching. I was even younger. Yeah. And, and that was my brother yeah. was going into Crespi, and Chris Nikovich was a sophomore. Joe Carabino was a senior. It was the best team I'd ever seen. They lost to, like, Kenny Fields and Vernon Day. And Day. I was Kenny at the Fields. I cried. Th- that team... Uh, I know. Cliff Pruitt used to bring up yes, the ball. I cried. Cliff Pruitt was six nine, bringing up the ball. I cried. That was that. No, that lost. was the best high school team I might have seen up until the Ball Brothers were all together yeah, at, uh, at at um, at Chino Hills. Chino Hills, right? Um, but yep. that that Verm Dave team was something else. And I I was at St. Bernard, and we were really strong. Yeah. For for a number of years, and Crespi, we're in the same league. Yeah. And so those those it's just fun. It's so fun when the gym's packed. Gym's it, packed. St. Bernard's actually beat Crespi in an unbelievable game. When I was a freshman mm-hmm. at Westchester High School, mm. and it was a semifinal or quarterfinal, St. Bernard's had some unbelievable teams. Really good teams. Urban um, Day uh, had some great teams. St. Anthony's. Long Beach. Yep, had yep. some great teams back in that day. Those, those are fun days. Um, and you know the, the player that really lit it up for me was Leon Wood. Leon he, Wood? He was playing at St. Monica. Yeah, Leon and Wood. He, there was no three-point line yeah. or else he would have put the state scoring record. I know, think well about that. Well, it's funny, reach. you know, now that LeBron is only – 45 points behind Kobe moving into third place all time, so it'll probably happen Saturday night in Philadelphia. Um, 
he uh, we were looking at Kareem yesterday with 30,356 points, and you're thinking Kareem had what a couple threes in his career. Yeah. He did that with no three point with no three. He wasn't shooting threes. Carl Malone second. Carl wasn't shooting threes. No. So pretty amazing to think how many buckets those guys got. You know, just on the basketball, um, Michael Jordan always gets the nod as as the greatest, and I and I got it. now LeBron's getting into that yeah. conversation. But um, I always fight a little bit for Magic Me because too. of how he passed ball. Too. But I'm always upset that Kareem's never in that argument. Yeah, you, you, I mean, you're not alone. You know who? You know who that bothers? Things so far out of reach. You know who that bothers? Who? Guys who played with Kareem. Yeah, like big game. It, it drives big game James crazy. Now, big game played with Jordan as well. He tells some great stories. They won a oh, title right. together in North, North Carolina. Carolina. Jordan's sure. a freshman, but it's just it, it, it's interesting. Was it because? It's not a sexy pick. Like people don't really know how good he was. He wasn't an outgoing personality. Right. Uh, but by the way, he's written thirteen books or whatever. So I, you know what I mean. But like mm-hmm. the media didn't love him um, back then because he was tough to get to know. He was guarded. And if you know his story and you've watched it on HBO, then you, you know why. Why? And it's 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 silly that I mean they outlawed the dunk basically, right? Well, I mean Kareem was Kareem, and so, you know that that only set him onto his uh, list uh, as being the greatest scorer. Because he he learned to get such touch around the rim touch without having to I mean, dunk. I mean, you cannot. It's funny. Like people just say, "Well, why don't you learn the sky hook?" Because it's the most indefensible shot. But here's the thing: like, there's footwork to that shot. Mm-hmm. There's technique to that shot, and there's so much repetition that goes in that shot. Guys don't want to put in that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kareem, it's it's insane to me that he doesn't get that love. By the way, he played in a day where guys didn't play 20 years, and he lasted 20 years. He won, what, two titles after 36 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the top for blocks, for rebounds, for points all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, six MVPs. And throw, six titles. And People forget he's got a title. He spent like, four you mentioned years Milwaukee. in college. He yeah. spent four years in college. He didn't get that early start like I know. A, lot of, a lot of the greats did. My dad went to a game you know, back in the day. I'm sure you guys have all talked about this at some point. Um, the freshmen weren't allowed to play varsity. Oh, yeah. So that UCLA team was like number two in the country, and and Kareem beat them as a freshman. My they dad were, was at the freshman were, varsity game. That's an awesome game to be at. There, de- think about that. He's walked the right defending in. Defending champs. I know. So and that team, I think, went undefeated. That Kareem beat. I, I listen. It's wild. I, I I think I'll always say as I look up at Jordan. Listen, I'm I'm fine giving Jordan the goat because. I don't know. He changed. Mm-hmm. He brought the game global. He came at the right time. It was the perfect storm. The internet, mm-hmm. everything was starting to mm-hmm. start. The world was was it was advancing, and I think he was a big part of basketball on the global stage. And so was Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, the six and zero titles is pretty incredible, and and just mm-hmm. the Nike, everything that came with him. Um, but you better put Kareem at two, or you better have him on that Rushmore. And I, and I just think it's wrong to not. I, I, I it bothers me. And the you. game is different now. Numbers are different now. So you can't compare. I mean, LeBron's in year 17, never had a major injury. I mean, Kareem, I mean, uh, Jordan don't played, what, 13, 14 years. Sure. Like two of his best years, he's out playing minor league baseball. Uh, that, um, so. you know, they talk about the Dream Team 92. Yeah. But I was followed closely that 84 team. That 84 team. Bobby Knight. Because Leon Wood was, yeah. he said, an Olympic Didn't Barkley get cut? Record. There's guys, famous so, guys that got cut. Hall of Fame. Bob, Bobby Knight said no more dunking because Barkley was dominating the trials. Yeah. And on the very next transition, Barkley dunked and looked and right was, at night. That's and that so was funny. Like his last time. That's it. Yeah. That team had Ewing. They had everybody. MJ. That's um, a, yeah. That was, that, I loved that. That team, I thought was. Loved that team too. I'm, I'm. I'm with you. 92 is always special because it was the first dream team. But if you picked a best all-time Olympic team before they were pros, it's, I, I don't know how you would compare to 84. You can't. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, I'd like to see how many future Hall of Famers were on that team. There's a few. 
So you finish up at Crespi, you go to Cal State Northridge. Uh, yeah, so I was being recruited at Crespi for basketball. Okay. And I actually quit volleyball my senior year really? for one day. Oh. And I always credit Kevin Slatham, uh, the coach. Um, I'll never forget this. Paul Muff was the Paul Muff who passed away in 1994 was Joe Carabino's coach. He was my he, I was his last varsity basketball player. Okay. The last MVP he ever gave was to me, so I always take wow. a lot of pride in that. Paul was really helping me get into uh, colleges to play hoops. So I was being recruited by a lot of the D3s and D2s mm-hmm. and uh, LMU was the only D1 that really I took a visit and said hello and uh, it was more of a walk-on opportunity. Um, so I was really into trying to play basketball. And I just couldn't focus on volleyball. And, and I went to Coach Slatham and I said, uh, Coach, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this college basketball thing. And I just want to thank you for everything. But and we, we were tight. Like, he was, he was a great man. And he, and he was like, oh, like Kevin was like, take a week. <laughs> take Smart. a week and let's talk. One day. Mm. And I don't remember why it was. That day I went home. I was bored. Whatever it was, I went back to him the next day and said, I'm in. That's and and Kenny Lynch got recruited and I got recruited with Kenny to Northridge uh, and I met John Price came home and told my parents I'm going to Northridge they're like hold on hold on all this work they're sending me to classes to get the ACT up yeah everything <laughs> everything I'm on. I'm going to Northridge going to, yeah. John Price yeah, I met jump, him jumping sports I met my soulmate oh wow smart coach too because you know totally the, the mind of an athlete uh, at least a, a top athlete. You have to understand that, yeah, and and let that take its course, and then hopefully bring it back on. But if you're the coach and you say, "Make up your mind now," or this door is closed the second you go out, mm. if you well, if you got a good athlete on your hand who's got a strong mind, they'll walk out that door. Denny, I'm sure you would feel the same way in your life. You've you've probably had a lot of you know fortunate circumstances and people that backed you. When I look back on my career in TV. But my career growing up in sports, and I, and I mentioned Teresa Denton, Kevin Slatham, Paul Muff, John Price, my college coach. I've been really lucky. Like, those people took care of – like, they put me in good positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that helped me. And, and it's the same Heck thing yeah. with TV. Like, uh, Steve Simpson and Tom Fuhrer taking a liking to me at Fox Sports and John Hefner and all these guys. And then it's, you know, uh, Billy Mack and Jim Watson, broadcasters, like, taking you under their wing. And Lou Riggs, who probably taught everybody that's ever been a broadcaster. All these people – put you in a position and and it sets you up for success later yeah especially your i think your experience at cal state northridge um as i'm looking into that you learned to be a team player there i had to be i mean listen i I was a star like everybody else when you go to college i i was a star in little league and uh, a star on my basketball team and volleyball team when i was at crespi and then i go and i was not a star at northridge and and i'm a role player at best uh, a backup um but was interesting i'll never forget um I had this picture, and we all used to get in the stance. We'd be down in the stance when we needed to side out. And I, and I remember I had it on my wall for a long time. It was just a little Polaroid, but it was me and the six, seven guys that were down the line. And I remember showing this to people later going, okay, that guy was the CIF player of the year. That guy was the city player of the year at Chatsworth. Mm-hmm. This guy was the player. And I'm like, everybody on this bench is all world. You know what I mean? So yeah. all everything. So that's what you I, – I, I think it helped me coaching-wise for sure. Uh, understand uh, that role player, mm-hmm. that bench player, I, yep. what they mean to a team. Um, I was voted captain at Northridge, and I wasn't even a starter. Um, that was, you know, in my sophomore year, junior year. That So that, you know, I guess when I look back, I go, I must have been doing something right. Um, and that's where you met Matt Unger? Yeah, so Matty O was a year ahead of me. Coley okay. Kaiman was my year. Mm. And the three of us were best friends, still are today. And uh, Matt 
has Matt actually got me the job basically at the ABP because he was playing. So, he, he, so Matt was a huge – and by the way, Matt and I would go watch film my freshman and sophomore year at Price's uh-huh. house and stuff in office, and Matt's the one who taught me everything about setting. Matt, we used to uh, – he used to play in, You've the, known him in forever. the backyard championships. Yeah. He went by Matt Anger there. Yeah. Matty <laughs> Matt Anger. Matty O is he, he uh, a love, fiery – He was fiery. you got to remember, so Matt, for those people that don't know – Volleyball. Matt was an under was a small setter yeah. from Pally High School and a phenomenal player. And was told by his so his brother was two years older. Went and played for Kenny P at uh, Santa Barbara. Kenny said, your br- "Matt, you're never going to play college volleyball. You're too small." Didn't get scholarship offers. Uh, was just going to go play beach because no one wanted him. And John Price mm-hmm. called him like two months before school started and said, "Love to have you. Love to give you a scholarship." And 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 it, you know what? John saw something and that guy. Without him, we don't go to the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt was location-wise as good as any setter. Canyon, good as all of them. So you go to the finals in 93. 93. Yeah. And that's when four teams would make the finals. Yeah. And then it would be like a round robin? No, you know what we did then? I'll tell you what we do. So it's funny. It changed all through my my years. My my freshman year, it was called the Weva, and and, and we had an eight-team playoff, and the winner got to go to the final four as the West Coast rep, the oh, winner of that playoff bracket. The second-place finisher <clears throat> would be voted in, they said, as the fourth team. Right. It was the first year of Valley scoring in the fifth game only. They put a, oh, I, you, I don't know if you know this. They put a cap on it for only one year. 1990, there was a cap. Okay. We lost to USC, who won the national championship, 17-16 in the fifth. And we, that, we served. They cited the out through Neil Kaufman's hands. Leon DeRocher put it through his wow. hands on a D. And and they won seventy six. There was no yeah. Can you imagine so, that? So that'll never. That game's be, not. I always tell Brian Ivy that game's not official. That that'll oh, they'll be the only seventeen sixteen the final hist- ever in the history of. So that was quarterfinals, and they went on to win the national championship. The next year they changed it to the fifth game. You have to win by two. So it was regular scoring, side yeah. out score until it got to the fifth game, and then it yeah. was rally. And our we went. So we lost our first year to SC. Then we won that next year, went to the second round, lost. Then we went to the our third year. We beat Long Beach State, who was number one in the nation, lost to Stanford to go to the Final Four, and then finally in our fourth year, we went all the way to finals. Back then, you so we played Penn State first. Mm-hmm. UCLA put Ohio State. And what's funny is to become friends with all these guys later in life and play on the St. Paul Mitchell teams and mm-hmm. Beach and all this stuff, you learned how they did and how we did it. We didn't know. We had never been to the Final Four. We spent all week on Penn State, mm. all week, and we drubbed them. Alskates them never looked at Ohio State one time. All oh. they did was work on Northridge, and they had a better plan. And they came in. We were at Pauly, by the way. At Pauly, Seely and them kicked our ass. Mm. They were just mm. too good. But I look at that team now, and I'm like, of course they beat us. It was they had like seven Olympians. <laughs> I mean, Stein was on the bench. <laughs> they had Nygaard, <laughs> yeah. Eric Sullivan, yep. Kevin Wong, all Olympians. Unreal. Yeah. Wow. Seely. You still remember that uh, that game? March eighth, nineteen ninety three. That wild. It's the day I started drinking. No, I'm just kidding. I always say that. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so interesting how um, accelerated athletes are. Almost yeah. any athlete, you you certainly win. You you remember your wins, but it's those Dude. championship losses. Dude, you remember that's that stick with you. you um, I was interviewing Jerry West at the oh, school. Oh, Jerry's torture. And he goes, he goes. There's not a day in my life I don't think about the 1959 NCAA finals. Because West West Virginia way, lost to Cal. By the way, NCA. Yeah, not a, not a day in my life. Oh, I know. And he was MVP of of the Final Four, just like he was in '69 of the NBA Finals. I think he's the only guy to Denny, ever be on the team. Think about this. Think of all the losses to the Celtics. Every single one of them. 
if he wins three of the eight, he's an all he's he's already an all time. But you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's different. Like like I'll never forget '85. It's funny. And I don't know if you've heard this from guys you know, but when I started working at the network is when it I, I really realized it because Byron and James they all said the same thing. The ring they all covet the most is '85. Pat Riley will say mm-hmm. it. Vidi will say it. Exercise the demon. Because of what it meant to everyone before them. Oh. And I'll remember my dad how much it went. I mean, so much I, I mean, I I, mean, I remember beating the Celtics now. Great it was. But 84 was more gut-wrenching than ever. Like, they, James threw the ball away in game two to go up 2-0. Like, he still talks about it. If they didn't pull he, Rambus back, Rambus would have. You know, you know what I asked Mikhail him? would have been. You know what I asked him? The other day they are playing the Celtics, and I said, I said, it's a fish too. I said, what are your two greatest memories Boston, he goes, losing mm. in 1984 mm. and then winning in 85. Because in 84, it's, I mean, like, those guys, they don't forget. And James is like, that was my fourth ring. We had, like, we were going up 2-0 to go home. We would have been up 2-0 at home. Mm. Like, I, it, so you goosebumps talking about, but, like, all those guys, man, it's like, it's, uh, you, it's um, pretty amazing. We're talking about you, you know, learning to be a team player at Northridge and stuff, yeah. but you also were, uh, I think, in training to be who you are today as an yeah. announcer. Because what did you form? The Madamaniacs? Madamaniacs like back in the day. Instead of the Matadors. Yeah. And people would Man, rally you really around do you. your research. Uh, that was Coley Kyman as well and Matt Unger. And you know how that started was we lost a bet my freshman year that the coaches made. Basketball, Pete Cassidy, John Price, they made a bet. They said uh, – We'll play in a softball game against each other in the fall before the seasons had started. And then the, uh, the losing team has to throw a party for the other team and dress up for one of their games. Oh, we great. had a lead going into the last inning, the ninth, and lost, which, by the way, still haunts me to this day. But that it was meant to game. be gotcha. because the basketball team wouldn't have thrown a great party like we did, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't have been able to do what we did. We then fast forward two months throw the best disco party in the history of Cal State Northridge in that night. So we were all in our disco gear. We went to the game. Okay. And and I just let it. Like, we just ran in and started, I started doing cheers and all this goofy stuff. And it was Matamaniacs were born. They still do it. it now. They still do it now. They still do it now. And do they call it Matamaniacs? Yes. That is. Athletes still do it. That's legacy. Right? That's <laughs> legacy. That's better than a statue. Oh, that's awesome. Better than a statue. That's that is awesome. beautiful. Join us next Thursday for part two of Life is Sweeter with Geeter. Now it's time for an installment of As Time Goes By, where we get to know Carlos Haro Jr. of Casablanca Restaurant in Venice one minute at a time. Remember, if you mention sports stories with Denny Lennon to either Carlos Sr. or Carlos Jr. while you dine at Casablanca, you get a free dessert. Now let's play it again with Carlos Jr. Carlos, our proud sponsor. Can you... uh? Tell me a little bit about the family, your family, and their connection to Los Angeles, West Side, um, you know, Mexican food and the restaurants, how it relates to the Rodriguez family and Gilbertel Indio and the like. Sure, no problem. So uh, my grandfather was the first one who moved to the West Side, mm-hmm. and not quite the West Side. He was right around La Brea. He opened his first Mexican restaurant, and it lasted about two years, and then lost his lease. Found this other place in Venice, and at that time, nobody wanted to live in Venice, and uh, it was like the 1950s. There was a, it's kind of a town. He found this place and uh, opened what was called La Cabana, which is still there. It's still uh, there. And Lincoln, on, and Lincoln and Rose. And behind it was an auto shop. So if what you see now, La Cabana, is the full lot. But it used to be just half the lot. And the other uh. half was a, uh, an automobile shop. Oh, wow. and, and then he ended up purchasing this. Uh, and all three, which is my uncle uh, Paco. 
and my uncle Gilbert's uh, all came. They were all there. They all worked in the restaurant, and they would work sometimes at uh, La Cabana, but then they would work at other restaurants. And little by little, they started kind of saving money, or my aunt would work there, and they all saved money, and eventually they all started kind of opening their own restaurants, um, being that there was Paco's Tacos, and then there was Gilbert's, and then Casablanca were the, the four. And, and the, 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 the Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So those were kind of how they all got it. So they were all uh, three of my uncles who uh, they still, if you go to Paco's, you'll still see my uncle Paco. And uh, my uncle Gilbert just passed away, and my grandfather passed away, but the, the brothers, siblings, they're all still working at the restaurant forever. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Marley Rice, edited by Bob McCall, and researched by Teresa Dolan. Additional staff include Christine Jimbo, Jake Downey, Ray Castro, and Buck Magic Lennon. Hey, I'm Conor McGregor. If you like my fights, you'll like this podcast. It's great. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. A new episode every Thursday. Check it out, book!